This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek Show number 307, recorded on April 27th, 2017. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that time. News reviews, product updates, and conversation all for the average I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Beautiful. Although, Mike, some snow, I think I've heard in the forecast, or at least flurries for the weekend. Do you believe it? Maybe. Don't even, don't, don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. I mean, I, I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I know it's supposed to be really bad weather. I knew that if I wasn't podcasting right now, I'd be getting my lawn mowed because I don't think it's happening this weekend. You need that Husqvarna robot lawnmower that would be just right? mowing it for you during the week. And I got the Husky, just not the cool kind. <laughs> I got the manual walk-behind kind. You have the manual mower where you're the robot. Right. right. And I'm on a corner. I'm not only on a corner lot. I'm on like a lot where I am at the end of a circle and a street. So I have three full sides of sidewalk. I only have one side that's not a sidewalk. So I got a lot of grass to mow. Lots of grass. I could well, to- totally use that. I think uh, we the uh, some of my friends out in the in the, uh, in the in the mountain states, they were getting some snow. I think we have a bunch of rain and flurries coming. So spring is here, but it's winter is kind of holding on just a little bit longer. Wasn't too many years ago. It snowed on May 5th. I remember that. Really? Yeah. Got a little snow, just a little flurries. Kids were getting ready to graduate and it was little flurries. <laughs> so anyways, we post a show with world-class show notes out at theaverageguy.tv. Don't forget, you can listen to us live on the mobile app. Head over to homegadgetgeeks.com. And uh, we want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that. We're working on getting them back here on the show here in, uh, well, as long as it takes me to get them on. But thank LastPass for the sponsorship. Great way to listen mobile. It is working. And I'm actually using their new mobile app, which is really their desktop app. I had been using the browser versions of, of Spreaker. And with... And it's Flash-based. And, of course, with the deprecation of Flash in just about all the browsers, for the most part, it was struggling a little bit. And so we have gone completely to their desktop app, and you can kind of see it over here in the corner, flashing away. And, of course, we thank LastPass for their sponsorship. We're, um, if you want to support the show, we got a great way to do it via Patreon. Uh, head over to theaverageguy.tv slash support, or just head out to theaverageguy.tv and look for the Patreon link. We have one in five dollar plans. If you want to support us, thanks to those guys, Mike. Maybe you remind me at the end of the show. We'll uh, we'll list everybody on our Patreon. List them on down. I'm down for that. Or maybe this is a good um, a good week to do that. But thank you guys for your support. It's a great way to do it. Um, if you now look below the Patreon link, this, this is a miracle. We're back on Amazon. So Amazon what? affiliate link reestablished. We removed everything from, I, I, I reset. If you go through the averageguy.tv, you will never find the, the, the old link. The, <laughs> I think the link that got me in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> the averageguy.tv slash Amazon. Um, that kind of still works, but we're not bookmarking it. Nobody's putting it in their browsers anymore. Do not do that. In fact, if you want to support the show and use our Amazon affiliate link, um, and even by going to the page and clicking on the banner that's there, you'll see it right below Patreon, does not necessarily guarantee we'll get credit because many of the ad blockers that people are using now are stripping out that code. It sees it as malicious code or whatever. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's, it sees it as tracking code, which right. it is. Yeah, yeah it oh, is totally. Code. That's how it works. So you have to be careful. If you're using blocking software and you want to help us again with the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund, and it's back. We'll fund that again, and we'll have some funds to be able to buy things for folks and whatever. Head out to theaverageguy.tv, click on it. But if you're using ad blocking software, you're going to have to whitelist me. So grab that link, throw it in the whitelist to make it work. But we're back up and running. And a lot of people said, well, how'd you do that? Because, you know, Mike and Dave and I all got banned at the same time. And uh, so I just reapplied. I, I went in, wrote a script to to remove all the references to that. So you can't on the site. I got most of them, the average guy.tv slash Amazon. We took all those off, removed them. I long ago, I took the bookmarks down to be able to do that. That's not what they intended, what they intended. And so all that stuff is gone. So I'm doing it the right way. Now click on the link. I know it's a pain and I know you'll probably forget and all those things. Sorry. If you want to support the show through Amazon, head out to the average guy.tv. Just Click the link before you purchase. Great way to get in and to get it done. So do you have to create a new account or just? I did. I did. did. Okay. They don't yes. reactivate an old account. They just. So if you've bookmarked anything for 
home gadget geeks and you were using it, those bookmarks are no longer working. Gotcha. So that, that code, I think it was the average guy. It was buried in there. Now it's a gym. It's Jay Collison tag, I think is what the minus 20, which you know how that Amazon codes got that right. minus 20 at the end. So, um, yeah, so you, the, the old stuff won't work, but the new stuff does, apparently. And uh, we had our friend Rich O'Neill give it a shot, and uh, he bought a book, bought a tech book, showed up in my earnings. I was like, hey. There you go. Now, the real trick is, well, they pay out, you know? Right. Yeah. That was always such a mystery for me with that affiliate code. Like, I feel like I always had money in there, but I never once got paid by Amazon. <laughs> it was, it's always a mystery. It is a mystery. It's, it's the man behind the curtain you don't see kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great. I Listen, if you used in the past, if you're listening to the show, which you are right now, and you used our Amazon affiliate, like, I really appreciate that. It was fun. We got to do a lot of fun stuff with it. Oh, we, we totally did. We got to increase this. I got some stuff for Mike. We got some stuff for other people. We did baby monitors. We did all that stuff. So if you get back on the bandwagon, you want to support us. It's a great way to get it done. Just head out to theaverageguy.tv and click on the banner right below the Patreon link. Either way, super big help, and uh, we appreciate that. Mike, you have been working through some changes there at the Uyghur household when it comes to moving some PCs around and doing some stuff different. Why don't you talk? We're big Plex fans, and yeah. and I, Plex is like rolling an update out every week. Now. Yeah, they're really I mean, rolling. They're they're on they a they're on a moving. projection now. I think I think we're on a trajectory that we're going to see some really cool things and some of the features that we've talked about in the past uh, come to fruition. Hopefully soon. I'm really excited yeah. about it. No, it's very very cool. But talk a little bit about what you're doing and why. Well, I mean, this is one of those moments where I had to, of course, I Facebook messaged Jim last night and I said. Don't don't tell anyone, but but look what I'm doing. It was a picture of me installing Windows. Uh, but the backstory to that is I think I told you guys a while ago the story about the iMac and the late 2012 iMac edition has a problem that creeps up on people where it will randomly shut down. So it'll just power off. Now, this I thought was happening during high intensive graphic things because I originally when I, that was still my daily driver uh, I was editing video and it would crash I would do something and it would crash uh, but I guess it's it it's just completely random there is no cause to it and even according to now looking at all the research they have still not figured out what was the issue with them um, Apple was replacing logic boards power supplies everything and the problem with this whole ordeal is that when it powers down, usually the iMac, when it loses power, it'll power back up. So this iMac, uh, because it was having this issue, was down in my basement and it was just mainly, I had macOS server on it. So it was a caching server for App Store, all that sort of stuff. And then it ran Plex and it also ran SightHound. SightHound, we talked about that a few weeks ago, is pretty much just my surveillance software that takes all of my IP cameras around the house, records it, alerts me, all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's a pretty critical machine when you think of Plex that we use all the time and especially my cameras. And it was also my VPN server. So if I if that map goes down, I can't even VPN back into the home, which is something I do all the time, especially when I'm traveling. Uh, so it started happening more and more and it was just finally getting to the point where um, when it powers down, you have to do an SMC reset, which involves actually being physically at the computer unplugging the power supply from the computer and plugging it back in after 30 seconds. And Hannah was not happy doing that every time I would text her from the road being like, hey, can you go downstairs to the Mac on the back, unplug it, wait 30 seconds, plug it back in. That's the last thing she wanted to do. And this was starting to happen like every six hours. So it got to the point where the iMac needed to be retired, but that caused an issue for me because I had no other machine, um, no other Mac at least that could be always on in the home because I take my new laptop with me everywhere. So what we ended up doing was I was actually running PFSense on a Dell Optiplex. Oh, Jim, what did I tell you? It was a 690, 700, something like that. It's an i5 machine, you know, a second gen i5, 3.1 gigahertz with eight gigs of RAM. So obviously a super overpowered Plex machine, but something that I got for $30 off of eBay. I don't know if that's super overpowered, to be honest with you. The Plex can, uh, can do some, I mean, especially- or sorry, for PFSense. Oh, it was PFSense, extremely right. overpowered for PFSense. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yes. And so I had it running PFSense because I got it for $30 a while ago and it was small form factor- relatively low power consumption. I say that relatively because compared to what I was running PFSense on, it was a lot lower. So I said, okay, I have this i5 machine. It'll be good enough for Plex. It'll be good enough for the surveillance system. Let's give it a go. So I installed Windows 10 on that machine. 
obviously that meant that I had no PF sense box. So I had to go back to the power hungry, uh, Intel dual core. I mean, this machine is yeah. huge. It is a massive box. It actually fits on the rails by itself. It doesn't need any sort of shelf or anything. It fits in a server rack. That's how big this desktop is. The problem with it, it's just super power hungry, but you know, some, I think I did the calculation I'm paying $7 a month in power, uh, just for that PF sense box, which is not something you want to do for the router. So it's a short term patch that I'm doing right now just to get things up and running. So we switched PF sense over to there, but yeah, so now I have this windows 10, uh, pro edition computer always on in the basement running headless. Don't have a monitor to it. I just RDP into it whenever I need to do anything, but it runs my Plex and it runs my surveillance station. And I have to say, I'm really impressed with it so far. It's, uh, much hard space on it. So I actually just upgraded the hard drive to an SSD. I had an old SSD that was actually, I had upgraded an old, old Mac laptop to an SSD. And I realized, hey, that computer's in the closet, not being used anymore with a very good Samsung uh, SSD in there. So I grabbed that SSD, 250 gigs. So more than enough for a machine that I'm not using regularly at all. More than enough. I could probably get away with a 60 gig hard drive to be, I mean, the only thing on there is the, uh, database for Plex, essentially, um, besides the system files, because the surveillance station stores everything onto my NAS, so on, onto my QNAP, so it doesn't even store anything there. So yeah. it really doesn't need much space at all. So you're keeping both your movie files and all the files that are being made by your your surveillance system. That's all going on QNAP. And how how much storage you have in that now? I have four terabytes on there, so I have two four terabyte drives because it's only a two bay unit and just mirrored. So four terabytes more than enough for um, my Plex. I don't have a ton of movies. I mean, I have a lot, I think, in my standards, but I've seen people who have 10 terabytes of uh, Plex data. And then that QNAP is also used for a lot of our backups and things like that. So yeah. it's starting to get full. I think I last I looked, I have 1.5 terabytes left. So um, used about two and a half so far, one and a half to go. The problem is I've also started using that for the new drone service. And this drone footage is massive. Yeah. So storing all that, that's going to decrease rapidly and i'll probably be in the market for another nas unit but as far as replacing the imac with the windows i really wanted to go with linux i wasn't going to use windows to be honest i was going to just going to throw ubuntu onto this machine uh you know lighter faster easier to use but sighthound i just paid the 250 dollar license for the lifetime license and is only on windows and mac and i was not about to throw away 250 dollars yeah. for a piece of software that i think is very well done yeah um so i, I was i was like well no it looked cool on there and we'll when, when we looked at it the other day it looked pretty cool so yeah it's awesome certainly uh certainly well worth um the i, I think worth the money yeah and then i ended up just side note throwing uh, i was like well now because the whole reason i had the kangaroo was to get used to windows 10 play around with windows 10 well now i have a whole other box in the house with that so now it's time to learn and play with linux so i have ubuntu now running on the kangaroo which jim and i were talking in the pre-show actually works pretty well on the kangaroo a little bit better than windows uh doesn't get as hot when you run windows on that kangaroo it gets very very hot uh with ubuntu the so sun hot yeah, temperature of the sun. Yeah. Exactly. I've only had it on there for about a day, um, but on the kangaroo, it seems to run pretty well. Yeah. You ever thought about uh, getting the right adapter and just making the kangaroo your PF sensor router and have ultra? I mean, then you got the best of both worlds. A little dongle would get you a little dongle with two, you know, with two ports in it. That's not a bad drivers idea. are there for it, but. I never thought about it. So, no. It's a thought. Yeah, it's a thought. Because you have the one, thought. you've got the one that's got the docking station on the end, and it's just got, I, does it have one Ethernet, or is it all Wi-Fi only on that one? Because I have... It's wi- well, Wi-Fi only, but you have two USB ports. So what I do is I have a USB 3 to Ethernet yeah. cord running off it. That's how it's hardwired in. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, but you know, I don't, I don't know if it would be enough processing power for the speeds I have. Huh. I don't know. I mean, a, a dual core gets up to about, tw- sometimes it peaks up to like 20% CPU usage um, when I get up to about 100 megabytes and I technically can go up to 150, 160 per second. So yeah. I don't know if that little atom processor could hold up, but it's definitely oh. a, a good use case, maybe testing it out. Chat room, what do you think? You guys out there, if Mike runs uh, runs PFSense off of his little kangaroo box, um, you know what I love best about it is I can uh, just pull that thing out of the... <laughs> that is true. It is hot. I mean, I got Windows 10 running on this thing, man. And it right now, it is screaming hot. Well, I'm, I'm holding it, so it's not screaming hot. Right. But it's pretty warm. 
So I, it's not a great Windows 10 box. I mean, it, if you were going to use it for any length of time, it would not, um, it would just, it's just, it gets too hot and then it, the, the performance goes way down. Temperatures go up, performance goes down. So I don't know. I, I too, Mike, have been, I've been running Windows 10 in a VM on Windows 10, right? So I have Windows 10 Pro running Hyper-V and I have an instance of Windows 10 then running that I use in the fast ring to kind of keep up with what's going on with Windows. Right. And that's great. It's Core i7. I get 16 gig of RAM. Works great. Like, mm. you know, I probably, when both machines are running full tilt, I'm probably at 12 gig of RAM, right? And it right. rarely, unless I'm editing video, do I max out the processor. And that's a couple, that processor is a couple years old. Um, so that works great for me. I had the PFSense, or I mean, I was using this Kangaroo as a physical box for Windows 10 fast ring. And, and that's okay. And it's, it's a, actually, it's a pretty good little Cortana box. So you right. can say, hey, Cortana, I can't do that on the VM. I mean, I could. I need to pass through the audio and blah, blah, blah. It's just not as cool that way. So I've been keeping it around, testing it kind of just as a Cortana box for just for those kinds of things because Microsoft's really starting to add some things to their Cortana service. But I don't know. There's days I come down here and it's just screaming hot. You know, it's but cool it's also, well, and you find those little use cases for it. So for you, a Cortana box, for me, I mean, imagine for you, if you had a $99 box that you could put Mac OS 10 on, you've always talked about needing just to, I just need to know generally how to click around when I'm talking to someone over the phone, how to walk them through it. And that's really what I've been using it for is to get used to how things work. Yeah, I'm not doing intensive stuff on it, but at least I can know the ins and outs of Linux. And I got to know the ins and outs of Windows 10 before That's I put right. on this box. So it's a nice little play around box. I wish I could hack uh, Mac OS onto the kangaroo. I think you can. Really? Well, maybe not the kangaroo. Matt, so the the Franken Macs, yeah. whatever you call them, are very particular on what kind of hardware you mm-hmm. use with them. So, Yeah, well... I thought it'd be, it you know, it's doing its thing and it's sitting on the desk. And we, you know, Microsoft is committed now to two updates a year. They're going to come in March and in September. And so it's kind of, you know, it's good to be in the fast ring. Uh, we'll find out here come July if I get to be an MVP for another year or not. That program's always up in the air. But um, so good to have it around. It's very flexible. Sammy, my daughter, actually has my uh, my Surface Pro 3. She's been using it. Her she was on the RT for the longest time. That just crap didn't crap out, but it was it was too slow and it didn't do everything she needed. So, Hackintosh is the word. <laughs> That's the what I was looking for. Couldn't think of it at the time. Uh, don't you hate that? You're like you know the word. Three quarters of a beer, and I still can't. I know. Totally. I'm I'm done. I need another one. <laughs> right. In. Yeah. Um. But he was gonna line them up. You gotta keep them. Yeah. I, I need to. I really need the fridge. Right. right you do. Right down there. That would podcasting be awesome. fridge. So, um, it would be good. Um. Yeah, so I'll get the Surface Pro back too. When she goes to college, they'll give her a PC. When she gets there, you get a PC for part of the tuition. We'll take advantage of that since we're paying a lot to have her in college. And uh, you were talking about your NAS too. And so the Drobo, I just upgraded one of the Drobo drives. You know, I'd had uh, two one terabytes, two three terabytes, and a two terabyte drive in there. And it got was getting full. And so I just popped out the one terabyte popped in a three terabyte gave me a whole bunch of more space and uh and i'm good i'm now good for a while i think i have about 1.8 two terabytes available and free i think my goal in the sweet spot would be those three terabyte drives are in a sweet spot for pricing still right are now. they really yeah they're pretty they're fours are okay threes have been have been really cheap fours i want to say were like 150 100 and between 150 and 180. I just bought two of those for uh, my parents for theirs for the for the WD Reds, the ones yeah. you're supposed to put in there. No, and, right on. Yeah, and I think I and that's what I did. I finally did. You know, I've had greens in here forever. Right. Everybody, everybody hates them, but they were great for me. I did buy WD Red three terabyte. I think it was 99 bucks. Oh, that's not so, bad at all. Yeah, 109.99, something like that. See, I just need a new unit that'll hold more than two bays. So I. So that two bay unit, I could pull out my two fours and my two twos that I had in the uh, free NAS box, and I would have four drives already. But yeah, Drobo's got some streaming deals, man. Do they really? Deals. Yeah, you got you to check it out. They, yeah, I should. they are getting ready to release some new equipment. And if you want to do, I like the 5N, and they have a new 5ND or something. No, 5N. Mm, that's the network version, not direct attached. Yeah, right? I like the network version. Me too. Oh, I, I would have to go network version. Yeah. 
So I think eventually we'll stack that full of three terabytes. Uh, just three, you know, I'll do replace three terabyte drives. I've been moving, I have an HP microserver back here and I'll be, I've been moving the smaller drives into that and actually use it to keep all my ISOs. You know, I downlaunch a bunch of ISOs for Microsoft. Oh, yeah. and so I don't have to go back and get them all the time if I want to use them. So we just keep them there. I mirror them. It keeps me involved with Windows Server 2016. And uh, and so a good little box that's got a four bay. Everybody in this group, most of you guys come out of the home server space. Everybody knows the, that four bay configuration. I got a SSD in one of those drives. I think 120 gig SSD. So um, yeah, I haven't messed around with that. It just sits back there. The IOSafe backs it up. And uh, it does its thing. It's just, you know. And speaking of those ISOs, how I, I didn't know that this was new, obviously, because, you know, my experience to Windows is relatively recent. The creation of a media installer USB was, I mean, stupid easy. Yeah. You, I mean, just they have that program now. You click, yeah. yeah, create a USB for me. And you put in a USB and it downloads it, puts it on there. Done. Like, that, that's it. It took... Not that it took under an hour, I think, to make to download and make it. Yeah. And I think just the fact that you can make an installer USB that easily, and the fact that you have access to those ISOs where you can make them and it creates it for you, and you can just throw it on a different machine, worry about the license key later, not worry about it right now. Real easy. Yeah. Well, Microsoft's in trouble, you know, and and they're losing market share. And as they look ahead. It's looking bleak from a desktop standpoint. I mean, they're, listen, they're still on 400 million PCs. <laughs> right. Windows 10, that is. So, that, but I mean, certainly, I mean, there are billions of it, just Android devices. I wonder, do you know the number on how many iPhones are in the wild? Oh, I couldn't even take a shot. Yeah. Couldn't okay. even take a shot. I've been out of the game too long. Chat room? Any, anybody know how many? How many? It's kind of, kind of interesting, you know, that, that number, but. Yeah, you know, Microsoft, I say that, they could, the money they have in the bank, they could do nothing else for the next hundred years, like yeah. IBM, and, you know, still eke out an existence. Will they be the movers and the shakers they used to be? I don't know. We'll right. find out. But for now, they're making that run at it, and it's kind of fun. They're, they're doing some interesting things. And I, what's really interesting, I think, is Satya Nadella is taking some of that money and putting it into some research stuff, which is pretty cool. So, you may see, I really think Microsoft has a shot to be a leader in VR, you know, in mixed reality. It's, they're, they're doing some incredible things with it. And it'll be interesting to see they do a lot in the cloud. And, of course, businesses are moving more and more than stuff to the cloud. So that, that by themselves, they could probably um, keep up. I mean, they're making billions every quarter. Oh, yeah. On cloud stuff alone. So, well, uh, good to catch up, Mike, with you on that a uh, little bit. You know, we're always tinkering with our stuff. Love to hear about you tinkering with your stuff, by the way. If you want to take some pictures or send me a story or make a video, any of those kinds of things, we'll play those here uh, on Home Gadget Geeks if you want to do that. We're actually going to play a video in. Speaking of that, Mike and I are going to take a few minutes of a break. Uh, John Rossman was our keynote speaker at Infotech. Uh, Infotech 2017, just a couple weeks ago. John was a ex-Amazon employee and had some interesting things to say. A little, maybe a 20-minute, no, not even that much, 10 or 15-minute interview. We're going to stay around live. So Mike and I are going to stay here. We're just going to play the audio piece of it. And uh, I will flip the, my screen over so you see the video. It won't be very good. And the recorded versions of this will replace it with the real thing, so it looks good. But hang tight. Uh, we're gonna Grab a beer, on. grab some popcorn. Yeah, grab a beer, grab some popcorn. Hang around for a few minutes, and uh, we'll get John going here. I want to welcome you back to Infotech 2017 here in Omaha. I'm here with John Rossman. He was our keynote speaker this morning, and uh, we'll have an interview ahead for the next few minutes. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for welcoming me. Great audience here today at the AIM Infotech Conference. So yeah, fun. Real, real pleasure. Give us some details about you, just the, the personal stuff. Where are you from? Yeah. What brought you to you know Omaha? Have you been here before? Those kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, perfect. So I haven't uh, been to Omaha. I live in Southern California, but we nice. actually just relocated there from Seattle, Washington about six months ago. So I'm new to Southern California, but real uh, pleasure and honor to, to get to come to Omaha and, and talk about innovation. Yeah, welcome to the Midwest. Not the prettiest time to be in the Midwest. In a couple of weeks, the flowers will be coming out and it's super pretty, but we're glad you came out. Uh, you're a keynote speaker. You talked a lot about Internet of Things. You had uh, uh, 10 items you wanted to walk away. When you think about what you really wanted to communicate in your keynote, the one or two 
takeaways that you wanted people to walk away with? What What do you think those would be? What did you want to impress on people? Well, I think that um, you do technology to drive a business outcome, right? And that's everybody's job and role. And everybody should be in tune with, you know, why we're going to do this project or why we have this technology, or why we're going to create something. And teams like to skip through as fast as possible kind of that upfront articulation aspect, what you can call that strategy, you can call that, you know, requirements. And what I learned at Amazon was was really focusing on getting to clarity was was super important, A, to get the best idea, but also to B, make sure that we all understood it. Because if you all understand exactly what you're trying to accomplish, then you can work more independently, the project will go faster, you'll have far fewer issues. And you're also able to, to make projects smaller. And that's that's one of the keys, like you hear a lot about, you know, the agile mindset and minimally viable product. If you don't get to clarity on exactly what the outcome or the user experience you're trying to create, then you can't build the minimally viable thing. And, yeah. um, and so that is probably one which is, you know, you have to work hard at understanding the business problem you're trying to address. Yeah. You were previously at Amazon and you learned a lot of that. And I saw a lot of that in examples. When you think about what Amazon is doing and maybe the best example of that, can you kind of walk us through what they've done and how the, how you see that happening there? Yeah. So um, I was at Amazon. It's been a long time, but the, the lessons and the techniques um, are extremely impactful and and I've just gotten the opportunity to kind of help tell that story. And I think on the aspect of like how they iterate um, on things, I mean, I talk about the example of um, the Dash button, right? And the Dash button actually started as another device. It was called the Dash One. Yeah, now that I did not know, that was some that was great little intel. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was a beta product, uh, meaning limited in nature. Um, and for whatever reason, my guess is just adoption, um, Amazon didn't really proceed to scale with that. But what they did learn out of that was this simpler branded button called the Dash button. And today there's hundreds of those of those Dash buttons. And where you see them taking that then is really embedded Dash buttons where, where items can reorder themselves, uh, replenish orders based on actual usage. So Brita, the water filter company, is doing that. And so I think that that, that notion of of trialing and starting something, seeing how adoption, seeing how use works, and then continuing to be able to press forward, you know, Amazon does in so many things. Yeah, you mentioned a, a pilot project that's going on with DHL and and Audi, Audi, and Amazon, right? in, in in Germany, Germany. Right. where they're looking at delivering a box to your car. I I know I can get my windshield replaced, I can get my car washed, or I could get uh, my oil changed in the parking lot. But apparently, they're working as well as getting a package delivered. From a security standpoint, that seems a little risky for a lot of people. How don't, don't you think giving someone access to your vehicle so they can put a package in it's a little scary? Well, um, but it's done in a, in a very you know secure way. Um, uh, uh, One-time electronic you know fob or a, able to right. enter it. You can have complete tracking. It's a it's a it's a you know trusted carrier and all of that. I actually think um, the alternative is you have something delivered to your doorstep, right? And if you think about like the incredible crime that's going on because more and more packages are sitting on doorsteps unattended, you know, so there's been this real spike in kind of doorfront crime, right? Of taking, right. Pa lifting packages, yeah. right? And so um, everything in this world is about trade-offs, right. you know what I mean, right? And, and the key is you just have to, you know, the benefit has to far outweigh the risks and the costs relative to it. Yeah, yeah, that has spurred its uh, its own industry. When we think about a ring doorbell, or when we think about some of these security devices that now people are installing on their porches, just so they've got some security around. And then think about the facial yeah. recognition, In intended security. I wonder, like, like how actually secure the the impact that those things have. Because at the end of the day, you can't stop somebody. Um, at at the end of the day law enforcement doesn't have the resources to pursue uh, those types of incidents. So yeah. I really wonder, I think, I think you got to just avoid those things, not catch them. Right. right. Yeah. Or, or it, it, you talked a lot about disruption and really changing the way a customer thinks about what they need and, and discovering sometimes even discovering needs they didn't know they had. So oftentimes we think of innovation as just 
new gadgets, right? But it's more than that. Can you talk a little bit about, you mentioned in those 10 keys that you had, you talked a, little, a lot about the customer. When we think about disruption, what are the really important parts to that that maybe we're not getting right in the industry? Well, um, not every company is going to, you know, do what famous companies like Apple have done and just, you know, reinvent uh, customer experience. But you, you always have the opportunity to improve the customer experience. You always have the opportunity to um, operate better, shorter cycle times, better quality, better costs, um, all of those, you know, inventory management type type of aspects. And that's where, you know, there's kind of this concept of small eye innovation, which is just doing incremental things. But when you get into that mindset of continually thinking about those little things, sometimes big ideas will come to you. And I think my best piece of advice is always think about the customer experience and always think about your place as bigger than just exactly where you operate with that customer, exactly where you operate within the industry. And if you understand the upstream and downstream aspects of that industry and of that value chain and, and work hard at truly understanding both the customer experience and the industry dynamics that are going on there, you'll come up with better insights. Yeah, you had a slide that said, think big, but start small. Start small. Right. Can you talk a little, can yeah, talk through that yeah, a little so bit? Um, it, it's important to have um, a, a, a theory in your mind of like, hey, what this could be um, at the end of the day. But that's not how you go about building something, especially if it's if it's going to, could be a really big thing. You start by doing something small and learning and getting customer feedback and then building on top. That is the, the agile mindset yeah. that we hear so much about. We hear about these concepts of minimally viable product. And most companies can't afford big bang monolithic programs and projects without incrementally getting there. And so while it's important to understand the journey and what the end game might be, you need to be testing that every single day and trying to release product as often as possible. Yeah, you had also mentioned uh, in that innovation process that metrics are important, right? Ideally, you want to be able to measure that every step of the way. I think sometimes we miss that in innovation and we think just about getting a product out there. How important is measurement from your standpoint as far well, as- Well, I, I can tell you at Amazon, um, how you are going to measure something, the, me the metrics requirements are as important as the actual feature requirements are and probably get more scrutiny than the feature requirements. And so they cannot be triaged. They can't be pushed out, you know, and everything. And that's because if we can't measure something, we can't, we, we don't know what the customer experience is gonna be and we won't be able to measure it and we won't be able to iterate on top of it if we're not getting the right customer feedback. And, me and metrics and data is how we get most of our customer feedback. And yeah. so um, they spend more time thinking about their metrics than, than any company I've ever seen. I think it's it's a big piece of their sauce in both terms of how they get to be operationally excellent and drive innovation. Yeah, I think the Franklin Covey organization says start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. You had also mentioned a user story in that Amazon went about before it even got started, you would almost do this press release like mm -hmm. style. How important is being able to tell that user story up front before you've even created the product to get people thinking about it? How important is that? Well, um, I think it's vital because if you can't articulate, you know, what, wh why is this important to my customer, my user, whoever it is, and if you don't have, can't art demonstrate deep insights into into what you want to improve for them. You know, I call that empathy, right? Yeah. Like deeply understanding and caring about what what's going on for them. Then I think you're in a weak position to either ask for resources or be able to explain it to others. And so, you know, we spent an immense amount of time, you know, really gaining clarity and, and we focus on the customer first and foremost. Yeah, no, I love that user story idea yeah. of really almost celebrating like, this is the future of what's gonna look like. And we're not guessing, this is exactly what we want it to be. And then driving towards that story. I'm sure it pivots though, as you learn, right? As you're going through, there are probably, as you're working and you're learning, it, oh, that, that user story pivots? None of these things are intended to be rigid, yeah. right? Um, and you want it, you, I mean, you're intentionally doing these things in a way to, to be learning and to, and to get more feedback. Yeah. And, um, and, but you do want to be conscious about if you are making a significant change, like, okay, stop, like, we're, 
you know, we're on the verge of making a change here. Is this intentional yeah. or is this accidental? So you do want to be intentional about that. No, it's great. I love that technique. That may be one I do more of. I, I can, I'm pretty good at communicating that, but I'm not very good at writing it down. Right. And I think maybe that discipline of sitting down in a one pager, the press release concept. So that's good. Can you talk a little bit about your current role and your current company? What are you yeah, doing right sure. now? And so I'm a, a partner with a professional services firm called Alvarez and Marcel. It's a worldwide firm based out of New York. We're a performance improvement company. So we help our clients tackle the hardest, most unique opportunities and challenges in their business. And we bring experts uh, relative to that. And so um, what I typically get to work with my clients on is kind of digital capabilities and where, you know, either it's in development of their strategies or they, they've, they've, they're obviously kind of in the digital um, journey, but they need to figure out how to scale it and how to, how to do more of it and how to combine it with their existing businesses. And so that's where I work with a lot of my uh, clients on is some aspect of digital scaling. Yeah, that's great. And you're an engineer, your background as an engineer. Yeah. When you look ahead, when we think about all, I mean, robots are a real, are the real deal. Drones now are the real deal. Uh, AI and machine learning is now the real deal. Uh, voice recognition, the real deal. When you look at those technologies, what do you get the most excited about when you think about maybe the next five years? What technology that's out there right now you think is ripe for just kind of breaking out in those areas? Well, I think uh, what you're seeing break out right now is is machine learning and, and using algorithms to automate um, decision-making processes, right? And so what I personally um, get excited about is how do you take back office capabilities and work that really has gone untouched in like what the actual, how the work actually gets done yeah. for a very long period of time. And like, how do you actually do the math for that decision? Like what would be the formula for what decision and, and how to help people make better, faster, real-time decisions through better data, better math, better algorithms to it. And so I think that application in the back office is very real. And you're seeing a lot of companies, especially, you know, companies that measure and evaluate risk a, a lot are really at the forefront of, of putting algorithms into their yeah. business. Well, think about self-driving cars, right. self-driving buses have become a thing uh, that I'm starting to see in deploying, you know, buses in a city and they're, they're on their own, right? right? There's some really interesting, and that of course is risk management is That's all right. that really huge risk management problem, right? That's right? You've written a book. Let's talk a little bit about it. First of all, I want to know, it's, that's a huge endeavor. Yeah. Why write the book and what were you hoping to accomplish with yeah. it? Yeah. So um, the book we're talking about is the Amazon way on IOT, 10 principles for every leader from the world's leading internet of things strategy. And it's actually my second book. The My first book is about the leadership principles of Amazon. So you wrote a Amazon second way. one, even after yeah. learning the yeah. lessons of yeah. the first one. And the, and the first book about the leadership principles um, I wrote it, I started writing it like seven years after I had left Amazon. And these were just the stories and the anecdotes of, of Amazon that I saw so impactful with my clients. And so that was a pretty easy book because I, I was well rehearsed on like what those were. This book on IoT was a completely different experience for me um, because I really had to think through, and I intended to, to write a book just about how IoT can impact your business and like, how do I think through the roadmap for doing that? But every example I, I started to come to kept coming back to, well, Amazon does that and Amazon does that. And so I just, I, I, I go, you know, my brand is around Amazon and taking the learnings from Amazon and helping other businesses and leaders understand how to apply those in their business. I'm just gonna tell this, these principles um, through the lens of Amazon. But my goal was help a reader answer the question what should my internet of things strategy be? And so I go through both like what the exemplars are, the, the patterns of how to use IoT, as well as then what, what's the techniques that we would use at Amazon, like using building a future press release that we would use to quickly build our strategy. And uh, it took me about a, a, about a year. I was fortunate I, I got some time to, to, to work on it and everything. Um, but it was it was a really fun experience, and and it's it's not perfect, and it certainly isn't the end story yeah. on IoT. But I think it does, um, in a unique way, help a business person answer that critical question, which is how can IoT impact my business? Yeah. And as leaders, what do you think is the number one thing that 
you know, we, we think of leaders around the world. What do we struggle with the most? What's the biggest problem? Well, in business, it's like when something like this, you know, Internet things come up, uh, most business leaders go, oh, you need to talk to my tech guy, you know, and everything, right? Every business leader, this is business, mm -hmm. you know, today. Every business leader needs to understand the concepts and as much of the basic plumbing technology um, dig into it deeper than maybe your natural orientation. Because the days of you being able to turn to your IT person and go, uh, can you get something like that done are over, you know, and everything. These are integrated projects. They're about business change and creating business value. And um, and you can't just turn to your IT leader to ask them to get things done. These are ch inherently change initiatives and, and leaders need to lead change. Yeah. So the the Amazon way on IOT is the name of the book available on Amazon. Of course. I would imagine. And um, uh, available Kindle. Did you uh, go the whole route? Paperback, Kindle, audio, audible, MP3, CD, yeah. um, you name it. Do you, do you get much feedback from your readers? Uh, as a podcaster, we get yeah. feedback all the time. Do you get feedback? What kind of feedback do you get from your readers? Yeah, so you, I, I get feedback both in terms of uh, reviews uh, written at Amazon or written at Goodreads. And then I purposely put my email on the back of the cover because I love to hear from people. And I get a nice email every week about mm. either A, like, hey, you got a little correction you could do here, right? Um, Don't you which love is, those which is, which is maximizers? Great, you know, honestly. <laughs> but it, it's usually about like, oh, you know, you bring up a real interesting um, approach or anecdote or, or way of thinking about something. And it's impacted how I think about something. I, I've gotten I, I got an email a couple of years ago from a lady who runs a set of orphanages in Africa and she was having to scale her management team. And she just said how my first book, The Amazon Way, just gave her a new perspective on how to scale her team and her management process. It's like, I never expected to have that type of reach or feedback uh, and everything. Yeah. So isn't, that, that isn't that cool? Yeah. When you get those, uh, we uh, Gallup, we produce a podcast that we push out all around the world and I get emails from Romania and South Africa and, you know, all, all over Asia. And uh, it's kind of fun to get that kind of instant feedback. We live yep. in a pretty amazing world when we think about those kinds of things. Um, and so, um, John, anything else as we think about, we think about future technologies and scaling, you said scaling a ton, yeah, right? That seems to be the challenge, right? Is how do we take our business processes and then how do we how do we scale them out? If you were to give a leader maybe one thing to watch for that maybe where they're not scaling property, what would they look for or what kind of symptoms well, would they look um, for? What most organizations, the mistake they make, they, they go, oh, in order to scale something, do more on a year over year basis. We're just going to, you know higher up more, you know, and everything, right? And at Amazon, like that is the definition of a business that doesn't scale. Um, and so you need to think through like, what investments do I need to be doing now so that next year I can do more of it, but be more efficient about it, right? And that means, you know, on a, on a cost per unit basis, whatever your unit is, you're more efficient at it. And so thinking through purposefully, how am I going to scale something year over year? Like that's ingrained in you as a leader at a company like Amazon. And I think um, most leaders miss, like, I have to be figuring out how am I going to inherently change the way that work gets done, make it automated, make it self-service, make it more obvious, make it more user-friendly so that it takes less effort, less cost to do more of it next year. Yeah. You had mentioned Amazon Go, which I'm very fascinated with. Uh, and that 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 first store has rolled out, but maybe as they're rolling more, that maybe in it itself has a little bit of a scalability issue just in making sure, because it's tracking a ton of stuff. Yeah. You know, anything, anything well, more? Well, there was on? just some news yesterday about, mm -hmm. I, I, I think... Um, in their pre-beta that they've had some scaling issues, right? Yeah. So when they get, I think the article I read was like more than 20 customers in the store, it starts losing the ability to understand exactly that customer and some inventory tracking. But that's that's to be expected. Yeah. I, I personally go no big deal at <laughs> yeah. all. And that is the nature of true innovation. And that's what Amazon is doing is they're, they're not making any big commitments about it. They're saying, we're gonna roll out one and we'll take however long it takes to get it right before they start scaling. And um, I think I think not not making big commitments internally or externally around you know when you're truly doing something new, how we're going to roll it out. Like you've got to be able to have the right patience. Great. 
Great. Well, John, thanks for taking a few minutes. Thanks for coming to Omaha and Absolutely. Speak, speaking Real to pleasure. us. Pleasure to meet you as well. And thanks for the time that you um, put in. Uh, Mike, uh, I, I pinged you in chat as we were listening to that. Would you got a brand new Audi? Would would you give the you know, would you give a fob? I mean, the whole the whole premise, right, is they're working with Audi to give DHL one-time access on these packages and so that they can get in the cars and drop them off for you. Love the idea. I still you know, I, I guess not worried about them stealing it, but maybe getting locked up or I don't know. But you're, you, you'd be okay with giving them one-time access to the car? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I totally would. I don't know. I don't see. But then again, I'm not. My car is always empty. Like there's nothing really in my car. I take my work stuff in with me. So uh, maybe I'm a bad use case for it. But yeah, I mean, I, I would trust them. And it definitely would be better than it sitting out on my front porch. I worry about that more. And you actually mentioned people installing security cameras just for that reason. That was the prime reason I installed one. I had I wanted to put the one that faced the front door first um, to see when deliveries were made and if people were grabbing them, things like that. So it's, yeah, I think, I think so. I'd let someone come to my office and go to my car and just drop it in real quick. Yeah. Well, the trunk, you know, think of it like a valet. You get sometimes, you know, the uh, when you when you buy a new car, they give you a couple of keys, and then you get a valet key. Right. And, you know, it doesn't have access to anything. You'd almost want a trunk key that, or a trunk fob that in, in this kind of scenario, right, where they would only have access to the trunk. Now, again, from SUV a security doesn't work, but, car, but yeah. from a convenience standpoint, we're just thinking they pull up, they find your car, pull up, you know, pops up the trunk, throw the package in, they shut it and they're gone. And of course, you get an alert. You know, I imagine we're not far away from car alarms uh, being standard in an app. You have a new car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The alarm goes right to the app, right? If something that goes would be up, awesome. you get a notification. Does that uh, happen? I don't know. Today? I don't know if that works. I know that I can lock my car and set off the horns from the app wherever I'm at, but I don't know if I get an alert if it goes off. But, you know, I come from <laughs> my entire family is all UPS drivers. I mean, they've all at one point in their life been a UPS driver. That is the very last thing they want to do is take the time. They're under such scrutiny on time and delivery and, you know, all that sort of stuff that I, I trust them actually more than I probably should uh, just because I know what they're up against. So. so you're saying they'd love that to be able to, when you think from a time standpoint, just drop I'm it thinking on. number one, they'd love that. Number two, they the last thing they want to do is break into your car and like go further, like get access to the car through that and then steal your car, steal stuff out of there. They don't have time for it. Um, You mean you're always going to have that random rogue angry employee, but for the most part, I think it'll be fine. It does become another hack point. You know, when you think about internet of things and you think about now your car is enabled with some kind of, I mean, they've got to send a a code to a device that goes to the car there's got to be some security around that. But I've already so, got that, right? Like that's already a part. I already, someone could probably already hack me. I mean, through through the app, I can already unlock it from a different country. So, <laughs> you know, that means it's already there. Yeah, giving it, giving access to these third parties is a little bit different. I'm sure that opens up more uh, weak points, mm-hmm. but I, I would like it. Now, I take that back about them liking. I'm sure the last thing they want to do is be driving through a parking lot looking for, you know, the black Chevy with, you know, this license plate. Because how well do they know where you're parked and how do they know where you're parked? Right. Like it's I think that might take them more time and they wouldn't be very happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. They, they got to be able to find that car, you know, um, pretty easy. Rennie says he'd be more worried about some random braking someone randomly breaking into the car and grabbing the package, which is a good thought, right? I mean, sitting, sitting, so you got a package delivered to your car, it's sitting on the front seat or whatever, you know, because I imagine that would, whether they hide it in the trunk, that would be the smartest place to put it, right? To pop it into the trunk and and close it up. But if it's sitting on the front seat, I go, I put my backpack in the trunk when I'm somewhere in the city, you know, just to make sure it's not out in the open for a smash and grab. Right. So, it's a good point, you know. It's a good point. I think you. I think we would have more people right now that are stealing them off front porches than anything. But yeah. even for me, it's rain. Uh, I've had two packages get soaked with rain. My overhang is not very high, so unless it's right up against the door, it's going to get wet when it rains. It'd be nice to not worry about that because I order a lot of electronics, and I always worry about them coming and not being here when it's raining. Yeah. 
He mentioned in his keynote, he mentioned two other uh, two other things Amazon is doing. Of course, there's the Amazon store, and I forget the name of it. I should probably should have looked up in advance, but they have a store you can walk in, grab whatever you want. You know, you you badge in basically when you get in there, you put some kind of identification, then you walk out, and through a combination of cameras and weights and scanners and whatever. They know what you have, and uh, and there's no checkout, right, from that standpoint. Now, Mike, what I found interesting is works really well on the video, uh, but it, they're having trouble scaling it. And as more people get in the store, they are having some issues. They have a physical number of people who can be in the store at a time where the cameras have a hard time keeping up. It's not 100% accurate. They're having some problems with quality. And he says they halted they, you know, they had a rollout plan. They were going to do this, test it, and roll it out. And in this first store, when they ran into those quality problems, man, they they put the kibosh and slowed everything down and said, guys, we got to get this thing right. But what do you think about that concept of popping in, the store knows what you've got, popping out? Well, it's super interesting, but that's not my pain point for going to a store. My pain point is not the checkout procedure. My pain point is getting off my couch and going to the store. Like, <laughs> it's it's the not having it show up at my door. That's the, that's the pain point. You know, if I'm going to go to a store, I don't mind the extra, you know, even in worst case scenario, five minutes it would take to wait in a line and check out. Nowadays with Amazon, the lines actually just don't even exist. Besides Hy-Vee where I get my groceries, I never wait in a line for a checkout anymore. So, so I don't know. It's interesting to me, but I don't see, I think Amazon is spending money and doing the back end work for a bunch of other companies that are brick and mortar that rely on that. I think, I don't, I don't know why Amazon wants to help those other people out. What, why does Amazon want to help out the brick and mortars when that's exactly who they compete against? Yeah. Well, I don't know why they would want to do that. I think they're going against the Walmart marketplaces, right? I mean, Walmart and Amazon, two totally different companies coming at the problem from two totally different directions with Walmart being traditionally brick and mortar and big, big box store and Amazon being, being only boxes, but yet there's people who want to try things out or whatever and go into a store and buy it right there. And, you know, uh, Microsoft has recently gone free shipping on, on many of their products. So they're competing with Amazon from that standpoint. And I, I have to wonder if, Walmart is having some success with their their marketplaces, their little stores, right? They have these, we, we have a bunch of them around here. You can go in, get in and get out. And I think there's still some habits, Mike, maybe not you, but I think there's still probably a big part of the population that um, wants to stop into a store on the way home and pick up five or six items before they, and they don't want to, you know, hey, here in Nebraska, we, we don't have that fast of Amazon shipping. It still takes a day. Right. In most cases. So I can't order those products, the fresh products, right? And so um, I, I really think Amazon was thinking in some of those markets where they can't provide that kind of delivery. I don't know. But you know how many, st- like my, my, they're never going to be able to get enough stores in enough locations that I would drive the extra amount to go to an Amazon store when Walmart, yeah, if I have to spend a few extra minutes in the checkout. Like I just don't think they could ever scale that fast to catch up to how many locations Walmart, Target, all those stores already have. So I just I guess I don't see the long end game and why they now I just think they gave Walmart and all these other people a great idea and maybe a proof of concept that they're all going to run with. And it's I, I don't know. I, I yeah. didn't see the end game for them. Well, check in out a place like you... New York, it's great, right? In a place like big cities where people are on foot a lot and Seattle. one store one store covers a large population, Seattle. Yeah, places like that. Yeah. Um, but places where we would need it, like you just said, we don't have the fast shipping. We're not a bit. We're not big enough. Omaha's big, but not big enough. It, I don't think it would it would help here. Yeah, it's interesting. It is a problem they're trying to solve. They in their distribution centers uh, saw another video as well in their distribution centers where they've really moved away. You know, when we think of a big warehouse, you know, when you go to order uh, when you go to order a mouse for your computer like this, there's a big bin full of mice, and somebody would grab one out of the bin and put it on a conveyor, right? And they're really beginning to switch. Instead, they just put random items in random boxes and the computers keep track of where, so you scan when stuff comes in, they randomize it. And the computers actually then find the closest item to the person 
packing the box. And it, it, it's an interesting way of thinking about a storage of stuff. Oh, totally. And just in time delivery. I also saw an interesting um, uh, model where the whole floor was marked with uh, metallic lines and there were these Husqvarna lawnmowers. Not really, but there are these robots that move around four, five, six miles an hour. And uh, they just, they cross, crisscross the floor. I mean, and they're going all different directions. They know who's where and the fastest way to, to get there. And they're just bringing the, what they need right to that person. And right. um, pretty, pretty interesting. And they, you know, you think about it, that Husqvarna lawnmower plugs itself in when it needs to be charged. I imagine those things take themselves out of commission when they, when they're done. And, uh, and then uh, unplug and plug back in when they're ready to go. So some pretty cool, at least from a warehousing standpoint, you know, Mike, I think some of those warehousing uh, problems of traffic may eventually, as we think about self-driving cars, some of those algorithms, some of those things that we learn from traffic patterns, right? We may be able, maybe be able to apply. Uh, I never thought of that, but it's totally true. Totally applies to those big areas. We toured one out in California when we toured uh, one of the Amazon facilities, and it's it's impressive. Yeah, John John Biggs, who's going to come on here in a couple of weeks, I think, said uh, he on his on our Facebook group. He just posted, got in my car after work yesterday and had a message from my Smart Things Hub leak detected by water heater. Got home and sure enough, my fifteen year old water heater was leaking. <laughs> so good, good for him. For um, wow. I haven't have you installed moisture water detectors i have not um i really need to i have two sump pumps that run 24 7 literally it could be it could not rain and be a desert here and i get any runoff that comes out of our neighborhood and these sump pumps run all day so i need a battery backup system for the sump pumps and then i need some moisture sensors for down there okay yeah you know and we had a we have a sump pump that when i first moved in was full all the time but the downspout wasn't pointed in the right direction so it was literally the downspout was pouring water into the foundation. Oh, <laughs> all you had to do is just point the sump, the the downspout in a different direction. So, I haven't installed moisture sensors down here either. I do have a drain down here, so if it did get crazy, it would go out the drain. I do now that the now that we have a car that starts from the app and from the keys. I you know the from especially from the app from inside. Now I need the smart garage door opener because obviously I need to open my garage and then start the car. That would be awesome. I could do that from bed before I. Go out to the car. Yeah. I, I That too is a thing here in Nebraska. I, I think the next car will have an auto start, you know, because it's yeah. today it sits outside. Although we're going to move next summer and I'm pretty sure we'll pick up a two-car garage. We just have a one-car garage today. And so one of the oh, cars really? sits out. Yeah. Okay. See, we, yeah. Have a, we have a three-car, so we're lucky. Both of our cars get in and then I still have room for all the lawn equipment and a shop. Yeah. So Yeah. I We, we need a bigger place. I'm not going to lie. Uh, other Jim says Walmart's going to keep the prices down on Prime. I hope so. Somebody needs to keep Amazon in check. We know if they become unchecked, it will absolutely go up. We just know that, right? Yeah. Amazon does not keep prices down out of goodwill. No. <laughs> you know, so we, we absolutely need to, right? You need to have some kind of, look, I was like Bill Clinton. I was doing this. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I did, did not have. I did not go to that store. <laughs> yeah. I did not buy that. I did not mark up my products because I could. <laughs> I did it because I'm greedy. That's right. So, um, uh, so yeah, we, we need to keep, if it's Walmart, we need to keep somebody in there to, uh, to make sure we keep the prices in check, um, from that standpoint. Hey, we, we said we'd mention Patreon supporters. So let's just do that really fast Yeah, uh, in there. And we got a bunch and you know, I'd appreciate you guys, uh, supporting the show. We, um, I take this, these dollars go back into, um, we bought, we recently bought Alphonic to uh, to make a little bit better quality uh, when it comes to what we're doing uh, for the show, and there's some miscellaneous expenses here and there to to purchase stuff, and then of course the the average guy tech scholarship fund is still in action. I just haven't had anybody taking up on it, and I haven't even taken myself up on it for a while. I was buying some stuff and uh, and testing it, but uh, we we haven't done that. A market has been things have been a little crazy, I think, for everybody. So maybe, maybe we can get back to that. But uh, Brian Hour, Paul Barron, Kevin Schoonover. Uh, who did network is in there? That must be, I think that's Randy. Uh, Justin Simmons, John Biggs, Dennis Pillow, Nathaniel Lindley, Emily Procott, Mark Robson, Eric Janowski. I hope Eric, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Peter Dennett, 
Dennert. That's PTD. If you uh, if you don't uh, if you don't know PTD. that he's out there out there. He moved. You know, he was here with Are us from Omaha. Yeah, he's up in like South or North Dakota. Really, I didn't he took know a that job up there. Yeah, okay. I don't think. Peter, are you out there? I don't see him. So, uh, but yeah, he took a new job and left Omaha. So Jim Shoemaker, MB Gilbert Gilbertson, Dwayne Johnson, Malcolm Lacey, Mike Weger. Thank Boom. you for the support there on Patreon. Most of you are in that three dollar category, and a couple of you at five. And uh, we appreciate we haven't got a ten in there. We appreciate you guys. Supporting the show and what we do when you do that on Patreon uh, helps us and helps me respond to things from a tech standpoint, do some stuff that I wouldn't uh, normally get a chance to do. Uh, one of those, although works pain for most of this, heading out to podcast movement this summer, which will be a ton of fun to finally go out to one of those. Gallup's going to oh, pay nice. for a good chunk of it, but uh, go out to LA a little bit early, see my son, do that fun kind of stuff. Is he still out there? Yeah, he'll be out there a while. Okay. Yeah, so he will, cool. he'll be out there and see. What's just, hey. L.A.? Not yeah. too bad. No, not at all. You did some time in L.A., right? With I this did a team. lot of time in L.A. I did three months in L.A., and it was fantastic. Did you see anything while you were there? Uh, I stayed because I was up in Pasadena. Okay. Um, didn't Beautiful, see too way. much, but the drive, I, I loved. I looked forward. No one looked forward to L.A. traffic, but I looked forward to flying it every Monday morning and driving all the way from the airport out to Pasadena because it was just gorgeous. You drive, yeah. you get the valley of the mountains a little bit. I don't even know the terminology, but it was gorgeous. <laughs> Just drove. I just how long drove, did it take? I, I drove and saw pretty things and was like, yeah, LAX. Yeah, LAX. I should have flown into Burbank, but Delta was my uh, preferred carrier, so they didn't do much there. LAX is terrible. Yeah, I just hate it. I'm going to be flying to San Diego and then pick him up at um, uh, Camp Pendleton is where he's at, and then we're going to goof around for the weekend. And I'll drop him back off on Sunday, and then he has a car. What, what am I saying? He'll pick me up. And uh, and then um, so if you're in the L.A. area, August 21st, something like that, if you're in the L.A. area, maybe we could do a Monday meetup or something like that. It's still a ways out. But uh, send me an email, Jim at the average guy TV. Um, L.A. I know it's a huge place. I get that. I'll be around Anaheim. That's kind of the 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 uh, podcast movement is going to be in the Anaheim area. Then I get back. My daughter moves into her dorms that weekend. So I get back Friday. We take her down Saturday. She moves in. We come back. That's it. Just Sarah and I. Then she's going to murder me because there'll be no one here to prove it. Right? Just, oh, it, totally. It's yeah. been a great podcasting with you. <laughs> I'll message you my normal, hey, podcast tonight, right? No response. It's just crickets. Yeah. Jim, Jim, Jim are you dead? <laughs> Jim can't come to the phone at this time. It's Sarah's voice. Yeah, it's Sarah's voice. It's not even a text. She just actually sends her voice. I wonder what she would sound like saying, uh, this is the Average Guy Network, and you have found. <laughs> <laughs> got to do a little cameo appearance. Uh, hey, you got any good tech stuff coming up? Are you uh, the, the, the business uh, with the drone stuff? Anything you're keeping your eye on from a drone standpoint or anything more that you need on the drone side? There's a lot coming out with DJI right now. They have really revamped their whole... Um, line you know uh so so yeah there's a lot of cool things coming down the road with that obviously the big improvement as they start to go forward is image sensor so what kind of image can we grab i mean they are it's already an amazing sensor uh but they're improving the image sensor and then you obviously pay more for more sensors around the drone um meaning that you know all way sensors this thing is not going to crash whatsoever on these new ones and that allows them to program some really cool flight smart flight is what they call it features into the app. And so you can say, do this. And the drone just does it because it knows that it's not going to crash. So it's not a safety hazard anymore. We can have the drone do really cool, crazy stuff. And we rely on the sensors. So yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out in the drone area. Um, probably until the business starts to take off a little bit more, not going to be able to invest in any of those cool ones. But if it does, I am extremely excited to. Yeah. Now that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I, I have no desire today to, to do that. Just things are so busy, but you know, uh, it's cool. I, it's some great stuff. I've seen a little bit of the footage that you've made and I, man, it's, it is definitely, it feels like the days when everybody got a VHS camera and we had yes. video for the first time. Oh, it totally is. You know, and, and people are just crushing it in the air, which is really, really cool. And so we're getting some perspectives that we wouldn't normally get. And it makes you want to live in a really cool area, doesn't it? Like I, flying a drone in Omaha is just not that exciting. There's no cool mountains. There's not really much scenery. Uh, but cool if, buildings. 
the, the, oh yeah but downtown uh, is within stuff would be cool too you're, you're within where at into an abandoned space like oh yeah you know how there's that abandoned photography where people go in well you could do with a drone you could take it in with right you wouldn't even oh, have to totally. go in. Well, yeah. all the cool areas in Omaha are in the old market downtown area, and they're all within five miles of the airport. So you, it's a no-fly zone, yeah. which kind of is unfortunate. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. So you got to go out west, and there's just not as many cool landmarks out west. Yeah. Well, up north, there would be some interesting, you know, buildings, old buildings and some stuff. Well, that and that's why there. you grab a cool travel bag like I showed off in the episode, because now whenever I travel, throw it in the bag, take it with me, and uh, check out what each place has to offer. Yeah. Well, we'll do a ask me anything in pre in the post show. If you're staying around, Mike and I'll stay around a few minutes. If you're in the chat room, you want to ask us any questions, we'll answer it. We want to remind you, don't forget, we mentioned those great Patreon supporters. Thank you guys for doing that as well. Appreciate it. If you want to join in, dollar five dollars, totally your option. Uh, we just appreciate your way of saying thanks for what we do here. You can uh, you can do that out at theaverageguy.tv. While you're out there, see the new Amazon affiliate link. It's available brand new, like I said in the beginning of the show. Great way for you to support the show as well. If you want to click through on that and uh, purchase products, we'll make a little bit for the tech scholarship fund. That is great as well. You can contact me via email. Send me an email, Jim at the average guy.tv. If you got any suggestions or comments or you got, uh, I, I, is Rennie still out there? Yeah. This week I said, uh, I said, Hey, I'd love to interview someone who knows bots. And Rennie said, well, Veronica Belmont knows bots. And uh, Veronica and I started a little conversation. We haven't locked anything in yet, but it'd be pretty cool. Uh, so, Rennie, thanks for brokering that. I wouldn't have never have thought of Veronica being on. Um, and I was, you know, to be honest, a little intimidated. She's a big deal. Yeah. Very. <laughs> really I'd be super intimidated. Yeah. Is she really going to come on the show? She's super nice. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. But but uh, appreciate it when you guys help me broker those conversations and get some things going. Veronica and I will give it a shot and see if we can get her on. I really want to learn more about bots. I don't know that much. They seem a little gimmicky to me. So be good to bring somebody on who's talking about that. So, Rennie, thanks for helping us broker that as well. And then, of course, uh, don't forget the AverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting provided and powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from the people that you know and you trust. For more information, visit maplegrowpartners.com. By the way, my kids call that the podcast voice when I do that. They're like, they can tell when I'm just talking to somebody and when I'm on a podcast. They're like, uh -huh. you talk different, Dad, when you're on the podcast. So I have a podcasting voice. It's your script voice. It is. It's the script yep. voice. Yeah. Uh, and then don't forget, you can use the app. If you have the mobile app, if you want, homegadgetgeeks.com. Thank LastPass for their sponsorship. Really nice of them to do that. And they are a great partner with us. If you haven't tried out the app, you haven't bought the premium, 12 bucks a year. Super cool, super cheap. Great way to do it. We pre we appreciate LastPass for their sponsorship of Home Gadget Geeks. We're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv Live. We've got a bunch more stuff coming up, so we're not going anywhere. And we'll do these on Thursday nights. We appreciate when you join us live out there. Uh, Schoonover is out there. Emily, always great to have you out there. The little one is doing well. Ken, other Jim and Rennie, thank you guys for joining us in the chat room. We'll do a little uh, Ask Me Anything in the chat room post show and with that we'll say goodnight